courtside the Convocation Center. From the Max Center. We're to have inside the Convocation Center today. Welcome inside the Convocation Center. Welcome back into the podcast, convo number five, episode number six. Adam Jackson, Joel Gadet, voice of the Central Michigan Chippewas, voice of the Ball State Cardinals. Brent Balbinot of the Toledo Rockets will join us coming up in just a little bit as well. But Jackson, we do not start with football. We start with baseball this week. Your boy in the major leagues got his first start, got his first hit. Shouts to Zach McKinstry on Sunday. Yeah, we perfectly timed the the right time to have him on. He gets that first start, first couple of hits. Like you said, great to see Zach, who had a great career with CMU and has fought his way through the minors to get up with the Dodgers, who have been steamrolling again throughout uh, the major league shortened season here in 2020. 33rd round pick makes his way to the big leagues. Um, I should have pulled up the statistics on that. 33rd round picks are not supposed to make it to the big leagues. Um, he yeah. went He went as a draft-eligible sophomore early, though, so he probably would have been picked substantially higher had he come back to school. Although I say that now, there were only five rounds in the draft this year. So, well, but this was years ago. Um, so Nick's that thought. But anyway, uh, better talent than the round indicated. Still beat the numbers by making it to the majors. Yeah, that's the big thing, Joel, is is the fact that in 2016, when he was drafted by the Dodgers, he had the opportunity to be drafted by the Dodgers that late, wouldn't have had that in 2020. And again, all the talented players in baseball that maybe peak a little bit later or just take some time in the minor leagues, uh, the fact that they don't have that opportunity in 2020, it's good to see someone like him who did have that opportunity to take advantage of it. All right, let's get into it right away with Zach McKinstry, one of a handful of the Mid-American Conference players in the major leagues with the Los Angeles Dodgers currently in Colorado. Zach McKinstry, what's it like to be a big leaguer? I would say not not different, like, personality-wise, but definitely uh, I feel a little more accomplished, and uh, I'm a, I, it was my life dream to play in the big league, so... That's always nice to get that off your shoulders uh, and, yeah, get those first at-bats, uh, some appearances in the field. And uh, it's it's always fun playing with uh, great players and the guys around me just make it that much better. Was it weird? Like, I always remember when I broadcast in the minors, guys would say the thing that they're always told when they get called up is don't look up because <laughs> if you don't look up, it just feels the same. Like, it, you, you don't see the large stadium. It's just a baseball field. Um, what was different though for you because you walk into an empty stadium as opposed to 30,000 screaming fans? Yeah, unfortunately, I did look up. Uh, Manny Machado took a while to get to third base. So I looked out at the field and I see Manny Machado walking to third base from uh, a shift that he just was playing on somebody. And uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely a whirlwind of emotions and uh, just kind of struck me all at once. And I was in the box trying to move some dirt around, I was good on deck and everything and then it kind of all hit me at once and uh yeah it was, it was a great feeling uh i mean it's if you had to tell you if you've ever jumped out of plane i've never done that but or if you've ever been hunting or if you've ever caught a fish and you're railing it in or whatever it is that you do it's just it, it's one of the best feelings in your that i think that i'll ever 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 have in my life uh definitely up to this point so it's uh it's definitely a pretty cool feeling unique for you because it wasn't a start and you watched pretty much the whole game. You pinch it in the ninth inning. Did you have an inkling? Like, did you think that you were going to get an AB or, or kind of tell us how that, how that all went down when you got that opportunity to get to the plate on Wednesday? Yeah, I wasn't sure. I knew we were uh, right there with the playoffs. Uh, so it was a pretty big, pretty big series. Um, trying to get the series win there in San Diego. And uh, I wasn't sure. I just kind of showed, showed uh, show, actually rode a bus down there that morning and they told me that I was going to be active. Uh, but the time before that, I was active. I didn't really get in a bat or they didn't really say anything to me. So I, I don't know what I was expecting. I was just kind of probably expecting the same thing to happen. But uh, And then maybe here in Colorado, get that first one. But um, yeah, it was, it was definitely a pretty cool feeling when JT came up to me and told me that I was probably going to take his at bat. And uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty surreal. What's it like? You, Sorry, go ahead, Jackson. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, Zach, tell us a, a little bit about your journey. I mean, uh, a guy in the Dodgers organization that's just loaded right now with good prospects and obviously a ton of talent at the major league level. 
you're selected in the 33 round, uh, 33rd round back in, in 2016. And you kind of went back and forth, sometimes popping up to the double A and triple A levels. And then you get come back down to the loons. Take us through how you stay composed and, and how a 33rd rounder makes it to the big leagues. What was your path? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, it was definitely a fun path. Uh, one that, I mean, it's pretty, pretty, uh, one and an only kind of thing. Uh, Went to Double A, my first uh, full season of pro ball. The next year, they sent me back to Great Lakes. After I won a championship there, and the uh, the year after that, I started there for a month, and I hit 380 or something like that. Uh, it was just it was it, when they were told me that I was going back to Great Lakes, I was like, all right, I'm gonna play a lot. Um, I'm gonna get my bats. I'm gonna be one of the first guys to go up to Rancho. Um, once I get to once I got the Rancho, I hit really well. Um, my power numbers weren't really there yet. Uh, still working, working on hitting. You know, I was hitting really well, uh, getting hits, getting lucky, um, just putting good swings on the ball, and they're finding holes for me. And uh, finally got to call up the Double A again and got to finish off the season there with those guys. That was pretty fun. Uh, we won a championship that year. Um, good teams, and uh, yeah, the Dodgers. We always, I mean, coming up. I think there was only one time where I didn't get to uh, experience a championship uh, other than last year. Um, but I was kind of there mentally with Tulsa, watching them play and uh, throughout the playoffs uh, and stay hot down in Arizona. So, yeah, it was fun. Um, just getting to meet all those young guys when you're, you know, you're in there, you've been there for three years and trying to teach them how to go about their business, uh, being the double A and then going back to, low a and just telling tell, showing them kind of being the veteran and showing them the, the ropes is always fun uh to be looked at as like a captain figure in the clubhouse so yeah i mean i tried to take advantage of all my opportunities that the Dodgers gave me uh when, when they gave me opportunities um and yeah just try to take advantage of every day every about that i have zach what's it like being a 33rd round pick because the like you're not supposed to be here. Like the math is not in your favor as a 33rd round draft pick. Um, I mean, it happens obviously, but historically, like that, the numbers just don't bear that out. Um, what's it like to be in that position? And and is there almost a feeling of like you've got to fight for your spot at the table uh, any differently than guys that you're around that are first, second, third, fourth, fifth round or or high money uh, free agent guys? Yeah, really, you know, you just got to really just train as hard as you can in the off season and uh, just really try to get after it and make sure that your swing's ready to go for spring training. I would always try to get down to spring training about a month before so I could work with uh, a few hitting coaches with the Dodgers and just get my swing right before the season started. So, or before even spring training started, just so when I was getting at bats in spring training, they looked game ready, they were season ready. Uh, ready to go for uh, to show all because all the coordinators, all the GMs, everybody's at spring training. So like you're taking a bath, they're watching you take a bath, and that's pretty. Uh, it's 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 not every day you get that. So um, just trying to take advantage of spring training and uh, getting the work in, um, showing that I can play different positions and uh, even on the minor league side, just uh, trying to trying to get in the batter's box as many times as we possibly can in the minor leagues. And uh, that's, that's the goal. When you were coming out of central Michigan, you had a tough decision. I, I was talking with coach Jackson the other day and he was talking about the, the conversations you had about whether you wanted to come back or try and, you know, go professionally and sign with the Dodgers. Did it make it a little bit more difficult probably thinking, Hey, I'm better, I'm better than a 33rd round pick. And I want to come back and prove myself. Take us a little bit through how you decided to, to go ahead and sign with LA. Yeah. I mean, um, definitely a lot of long heartfelt conversations with coach Jackson and my parents and my family. Uh, you know, the one thing that I always stuck out to me was, uh, it wasn't, wasn't my dream growing up to play college baseball it was always my dream to play professionally in in the major leagues. So that was, that was definitely like one of the key components of all that. And I had the opportunity to be drafted when I was 21 and I felt younger uh, than a lot of the guys um, other than the high school guys, obviously and the Juco guys, but 
I felt like I was at that age where I, it, it was either a make or break that year. And I needed to, I needed to show that I could play at that level and play at those next levels and face the, the best competition. And, uh, obviously the Mac is good competition. You get guys like Lauer and, uh, uh, Keegan Akins and all those guys that go to the big leagues, you know, they have sexual or, uh, such, uh, successful uh, minor league careers and they make their, you know, they make it to the major league. So you're still playing great competition in the Mac. Uh, it's definitely getting you ready for that next level. Uh, it was, it was definitely needed for me to go to, go to college. And I made it or took it as an advantage of being 21 when I was a sophomore uh, that I didn't have to go to a Juco. I could go to a division one and potentially be drafted as a, as a second year uh, sophomore. So that was, that was definitely pretty cool. And it doesn't happen very often like that, but uh, yeah. What's this year been like? Because usually you'd have a minor league season and you could stay sharp and be ready and play games and earn stock and all of that. Um, Obviously you didn't need the stock that worked out for you, but what's it like staying ready when you like the taxi squad stuff and, um, off-site training and like none of that is normal uh, how did you keep yourself prepared for a moment where they would want to call you up yeah um definitely hard uh wouldn't say it was the easiest thing to do to go to usc every day where i think central michigan's uh if anybody's ever been to central <laughs> michigan like their facilities are better than the ones at usc so it's definitely tough going from AAA to you know you're you're working out at usc every day and you're not even sure if you're going to get an opportunity to come up and help the big league club. And, uh, you're just trying to, you know, take it bats and, uh, off the of guys that, you know, very well are your friends. And it's just like, it, you kind of get that uh, friendly competition, but then they kind of start going like live at bats. So Is you it don't like- have guys in scoring, scoring position. They only have 15 pitches per inning. So it's um, like practice. It's like you're not playing a game. You're just, it's, it's like right. college practice again. Yeah, exactly. It's like a, like almost like a fall ball game in college, uh, where the pitchers throw 15 pitches and they're out, they're off the mound and then you switch in. And then, I mean, you get a lot of bats, but it's not like a typical bat where most pitch, most of our pitchers were working on other pitches that they were trying to get better. So like they weren't throwing a lot of fastballs. It was more like, they're trying to develop a changeup, and their changeup wasn't very good, so they weren't throwing it for a strike. So it was, it was hard uh, to lock it in and, you know, get those at bats that really mattered, um, like like you do when you have an actual season where you can move a guy over from second base or right. hit a, a deep pop up to score a guy from third base. And it was it's definitely it was hard to get get it going. Tell me about befriending Mookie Betts. Oh yeah, Mookie's been a great. I mean, he just makes his team better. Uh, anything that he can do, he's a perfectionist, so he's going to try to make his teammates is just as good as he is. Uh, so he's definitely a, he's a he's a perfectionist at heart, and it's it's fun picking his ear, and picking his brain, and just listening to things that he has to say, and watching him go about his business, and how he get how he he's in the he's a cage rat. He gets out here on in the infield. He'll take ground balls at second base, just to get his glove ready for right field and get his feet underneath him he's he's awesome to watch and be around you mentioned Mookie Betts Zach are are there other guys or or coaches that you've relied upon you know as as you seek advice and and you go through this first opportunity of being up at the major league level yeah definitely uh right after my first (laughs) about I took it for JT he he actually um gave me his about he he told Doc that he wanted me to get my first about and uh so yeah, it was it was definitely really cool. These guys, these guys definitely look out for the younger guys, and they kind of take us under their wing and make sure that we're you know getting our work in, and that it's okay if you're not at stretch and you want to go out and stand in on a on a bullpen and watch watch some live arms come at you, and you know they're they're just trying to uh, trying to let you know as as much as possible that it's hey it's your career, man. If you if you think you can. Miss a miss a stretch and go out and get some live re- or some watch some pitches. Do it if you need that. It's it's not about what the staff is like. It's not about like the schedule. If you need something, get it done. Uh, 
if, you know, uh, we would love to have you at stretch, but if, if that's not the case, you can go out there and do that. And I mean, all the coaching staff is, is really cool. They, I mean, these guys, th- there's a reason why the Dodgers are the number one baseball team in the big leagues right now. They, they study hard. They, they, everything is laid out on a platter for us. Like it's, it's unreal how, how easy they make our, our jobs. And, uh, they, they, we have cars that tell us where we play. Uh, we go over that in spring training. Hey, this is the, the where you should play three sets over if we're on pole or whatever it is. It's, it's, they're, they're elite and it's, it's fun to be around. Tell me more about the ground ball thing with Mookie Betts. Like I wouldn't, you wouldn't think about that. Like, Hey, the right fielder takes infield because it helps him get centered, get his feet under him, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Th- that aside, are there other things? Like, are there things you've learned being uh, up there with the taxi squad, or now on the roster um, in the last few days that, like, the normal person wouldn't think about, or something that someone has said to you, and you're like, oh, that okay, that's the secret to the the, the big leaguer's success is he does this <laughs> thing that nobody tells you. Uh, I mean, for the ground balls, um, just getting your feet underneath you makes your arm that much better. And he already has a great arm, so once he gets his feet going in that right direction, uh, that's where the throwing a guy out from deep right field line at third base comes in handy. Like getting uh, that ground ball down the line, and you spin, and you know you're going to make a, a a great throw to second base to cut down a double. Uh, just you know, just trying to take away base runners and try and steal runs from the other team is such a big thing, and. Uh, Sometimes, like most of the time, it's control management in the outfield. But when you get that chance uh, to throw a guy out, um, it's taking advantage and knowing that you've gone through, uh, gone through your repetition before the game, and just believing in that and uh, going for going going forward with that. And uh, but yeah, I mean, honestly, just with uh, the big leagues, I mean, there's no real cheat code. It's always going to be hard. Um, But just breathing. Uh, just you know, real, or just trusting your process that you've gone through before the game that's gotten you ready for for what you're going to go through. Zach, one of the things uh, while you're up there, I think, is the Dodgers uh, can use you in, in multiple positions. I know you've been playing different positions at different levels within their organization. What have they told you about spots that you could potentially fill when they do put you in that starting lineup one of these days? Yeah, I mean. Um, I can play both corners. I can play, uh, I can play third base, shortstop, second base. I mean, that just makes it so much easier to get, get me in a lineup and get me in as many at bats as possible. Uh, and just making me more comfortable every single day, uh, at the plate, um, slowing it down, slowing the pitcher down, uh, just knowing what he has, knowing what he's going to attack you with. Uh, it's, it's fun. It's, it's a lot of fun being able to move around and, not necessarily having to stick at one position. I felt like last year in double A, I uh, looked over at Gavin Lux and said, doesn't it feel like we were just here? Like, it, feels like it was the first inning of the game. And I was like, it feels like we've been here for like, I don't know. It just feels like we've been here every day. And it was like a stretch of like a month where we played second base and shortstop together. But that makes it fun too. But um, yeah, just just having that consistency, consistent bats and uh, being able to play anywhere is fun too. This might open a Pandora's box of a whole separate conversation, but I'm curious because um, you talked a little bit about Justin Turner um, and I-, I read the book Swing Kings uh, when the season started, which is a little bit about Justin. It's a little bit about your hitting coach now, um, whose last name I can't pronounce, but I think it's Robert Van Soik. Um, yep. uh, <laughs> what have you learned uh, about the philosophy of hitting that those guys have, because it's kind of revolutionary compared to what people would think there. It's all about swinging up and driving the ball and, and hitting for power and hitting for homers and hitting for doubles. Um, has it changed your insight or your outlook on, on how you approach at bats working with guys like that? Um, well, I really like what they do um, before the game with like all the numbers they get um, being able to tell us like, Hey, he's going to throw you this, this, and this, uh, sit on this. Um, just let this go like a slider down. Like, obviously like, it's just like kind of, it's like what baseball is, but, um, just them being able to like explain it in numbers 
uh, and percentages and uh, being able to understand those. It's very analytical. It's very new age. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that stuff, that's always really fun to look at um, before you go out there for an at-bat. You you, kind of know what he's going to throw before he even throws it. Uh, So that always makes hitting a lot easier. (laughs) Um, Along with, yeah, I mean, I've worked with uh, Aaron Bates a lot, um, who works very closely with uh, Vince Like and uh, and Brownie, uh, our other hitting coach. Um, Just getting the, yeah, I mean, working on that every day, just trying to find, uh, find, find, find tricks and tools and uh, use them to my best, to my advantage and get those things going. Zach, what's the support been like, you know, cause Joel talked about it earlier, just kind of being that different year where you don't have fans in the stands and, and you're kind of bubbling away from people, but you make that major league debut. I'm sure your parents, your friends, everybody, your phone had to have just been blowing up. Tell us a little bit about, you know, maybe some of the people that have reached out to you or what the support has been like since you've continued to get closer and closer and finally get up to the big leagues earlier this week. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> I think every time I wake up in the morning, I probably have like 20 messages. <laughs> it's kind of overwhelming, uh, but it's, it's cool to hear from everybody that, you know, that I've crossed paths with, with and just kind of touch base with them and say thanks and uh, that I appreciate what they've done for me and all that kind of stuff. Uh, coach, uh, coach Jackson texted me the other day and, I just reminded him that I remember what he said to me. I, I remember all those conversations that we've had in the past. And uh, just, I know that he, he always had the confidence in me. Uh, he always pushed me not to just be a great college player and a good minor leaguer that he always pushed me that, uh, that I, he knew that I was going to be a big leaguer and he knew that he knew that there was something that uh, great for me coming. So he always made sure that I was checked up, checked right. And uh, that was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, just my dad, he was my coach in high school and he reaches out and just says, Hey, just keep going. Uh, you know, it will fall. Just keep taking good swings, you know, just fun stuff like that. And my brother was always big. I would always look up to my brother growing up. So that was, that was a good conversation too. Uh, talking about laying in bed when we were younger, talking about playing in the big leagues. That's always fun. Um, but yeah, all my friends from high school, college, everybody reached out and I appreciate it and said thank you to all of them. Uh, and yeah, had little conversations with most of them, but it was fun. It is, uh, it is nice. I guess if there are no fans, you don't have to leave tickets for everybody that you know now. So it makes that easy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I'll probably have to do that next year. <laughs> is it, was it hard to not have like your parents and your family come see the game though, in, in a situation like that because of the type of year it is? Uh, I don't know if it's hard. That's just kind of like, uh, it's cool for them. It's cool for me. Uh, I, I, I know it's a big, big deal and all that stuff, but, um, I try not to think about it too much and uh, just try to go out there and stay 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 focused on the game and uh, you know it, they'll they'll see me play one day uh, you know they'll see me play in the future they'll see me play for hopefully a long time and uh, it, it, it's it's just the first one. <laughs> Zach, you're the 17th Central Michigan Chippewa to make it to the big leagues. Do you have any idea the last time there was a Chippewa as a position player in Major League Baseball? Any idea at all? Uh, it's been a long time. Um, I think the one of the last times I heard of was a guy who got the double A but, and then kind of fizzled out from there. But other than that, I'm not really sure. That's a- Joe Siddle actually is uh, is the last guy, and he didn't actually play for CMU. He played football and baseball, didn't actually play a season. He redshirted the baseball season. He was the last position player, 1998. The last guy that actually played at CMU and got to the big leagues as a position player was Sean Hare, Ooh. and it was in 1995. So think of that. It's been uh, <laughs> a long, long time. So pretty awesome stuff that you're representing CMU and a position player because, uh, I mean, you mentioned guys in the MAC and with Central Michigan overall. There's been some good pitchers, but a um, little bit fewer amounts of uh, position players. So pretty cool for you there. Right, definitely. Uh, definitely a pitcher's league um, <laughs> for the MAC. But, yeah, try to represent those hitters as much as possible. Every time I see a hitter from the Mac, I always say hi and try to chat up and talk Maction. 
all that good stuff. So it's fun. That's awesome. Zach, uh, congratulations on all of it, man. Thanks for uh, taking some time and, and enjoy, uh, enjoy the rest of your time in Colorado. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Adam Jack's a trivia time at the end there, as Matt Norlander would say. <laughs> Digging deep, my man. I didn't like, first off, get yourself some position players in, in Mount Pleasant, dude. Well, that's what I'm saying, man. I've been covering this team, went to school here, and I'm just pitcher after pitcher, which seems to be the norm within the Mid-American Conference that pitchers make it to the next level. But, yeah, you have to go back to the 90s, the last time that uh, Central Michigan had a position player. And good for Zach. He's got all of the positions covered, played in right field, playing throughout the infield. So maybe he'll cover all nine positions in his time in the big leagues. In so, one game. He'd be like Buster Exactly. Pudding. You never know. A lot of lot of player pitching still going on in 2020 in Major League Baseball. It's whatever, great. whatever happened to Jordan Foley, by the way? Jordan, uh, I think, got it to what double or triple A, and yeah, he just kind of spiraled out. I don't, mm. I don't know what happens there, but uh, he he was doing well with the double A squad with the Yankees, and uh, just didn't make it past that. I always thought he was a surefire guy, the pitcher coming out of Central. Uh, Zach Plezak, though, shouts to that man. One of the best pitchers in baseball. Uh, 50 strikeouts and four walks. That's asinine. Yeah, his whip's pretty good, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Not, I, mean, I mean, just like strikeout to walk ratio. That's four? Like, you got how you know how hard it is to not walk people like that? Right. Four. That's, in, that's insanely Rick good. Rick Ankeel did I mean, that in an inning. And that's why he's not a pitcher anymore. <laughs> <laughs> just saying no but i mean you have you have police jack and joel you've got keegan, keegan Aiken Aiken. from western michigan uh who is who grew up right around mount pleasant up here i mean just i will take it to can... the grave that keegan Aiken gave up a home run to alex call in the mac tournament and western michigan never should have advanced that year well, let me ask you a question did ball state uh win that mac tournament no 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 they didn't they didn't nor any MAC tournament since you've been the broadcaster because you're cursed. But that's true. besides this the is, point. This is true. <laughs> All right, that's baseball. Let's get into football, Jackson, because it seems like we might play this fall. Uh, the MAC met, the presidents did on Saturday. They did not make a decision, they just had discussions. The tenor of the nation, though, seems to be pointed in the direction of playing this fall. So, Adam Jaxa, I, I would say to you, what do you, not from, a, like, we have no knowledge. I don't ask questions. People just tell me where to go, and I go, um, which is a great reason to listen to this podcast. Right. <laughs> uh, what's your gut feeling, though, about what you think we're going to walk into here in October? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be similar to the trickle-down effect that we saw going back to March in the conference tournaments, uh, deciding one by one to cancel and then not having March Madness, to then to the fall where the MAC was the first FBS conference to say, we're not going to have football, and then the Big Ten and the Pac-12 followed suit. Same type of thing. Big, Big Ten comes back last week, and then we're hearing momentum of Pac-12 and Mountain West and I really feel like it's been reported that the MAC doesn't want to be the only FBS conference to not play football in the fall. So if you see those others come back, I would imagine that same trickle effect comes for the Mid-American Conference. I think regardless, if they do or do not play, we have to have a decision this week because we're getting down the stretch of these guys need certain amount of weeks to prepare for the season. So I would imagine one way or another, we're going to know this week, but if you ask me right now, I think the Mac's going to be playing football in the fall. Yeah, it seems to be uh, that that is the direction we are all all pointed in. So see how things go. We'll have an interesting conversation on this podcast next week because we will certainly, I would hope, know a lot more by that point. Uh, in the well, meantime, and also well, we're yeah. going to get our fourth straight uh, West Division broadcaster to pick his team to, to win the West in the Mac. So looking forward to that as well. <laughs> who, who is it? I don't know. We'll have to decide. Oh, I was but like, I, I was like, have you have you booked our guest? I don't know. Um, I didn't Not know, yet. Oh, I didn't know Matt Shepard was free. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's dive into our third look at the Mac West, though, in our series we like to call "What Could Have Been and What Still Might Be," maybe sooner than we would have thought. Uh, Brent Balbonat is the voice of the Toledo Rockets, and he joins us this week to take a look at a team that went six and six, Jaxa, last year. Uh, that's not expected from them. And what's weird is I always said it was kind of the perfect storm last season. Northern was down. Um, Toledo was down. Those are things you don't normally expect. And I, I can't imagine people expect Toledo to be down again in whatever year they play again. 
Yeah, well, and that's kind of been the consensus with just what you've seen being predicted that a lot of people still think Toledo's going to win the MAC. If we do play here in 2020 or 2021, they're the favorite in a lot of people's minds, even though they had that down year. And I think that's just a, a, a mention to how well that they've been uh, in years past and where their program's at under under Jason Candle. All right, let's get into Brent Albana. Let me let me go this far. I will say cautiously optimistic. Um, we've got some interesting pieces of the puzzle on both sides of the line of scrimmage coming back. Three new coaches, I guess technically you could say four, and kind of just a sour taste in their mouths from what happened last year. I mean, it's let's just get it out of the way. I'm sure it's probably going to come up. It's the elephant in the room, the only team in the country to be bowl eligible and to be sitting at home watching on TV. Uh, they come out with a chip on their shoulder every year, but I would expect that to be even more intense this season whenever we do get the green light. Brent, when you look back at last year, one of the issues with Toledo, and normally their offense is so good that maybe this offsets that, but their defense struggled. They were, uh, you know, last in passing total yards and at the bottom in, in scoring and rushing defense, but it looks like they've got a lot returning. What do you see from the defensive side of the ball here in 2020 or 2021 when the season happens? Well, right now, nothing, because all they're allowed to do is two-on-twos versus three-on-threes. I can't True. even run seven-on-sevens <laughs> right now, which would give us at least somewhat of an idea of what to expect. What do I think will happen? Look, there's there's one way to go, and that's up. Um, and I know in a pass-happy league like the MAC, when I came over from the Big Ten, I'll admit it took me probably a month to get my my rhythm and my timing down. I joked with Coach Candle after the uh, season opener at Arkansas State. I'm like, mix in a fullback, will you? At least take 15 seconds off the play clock. And he just looked at me and smirked, and he goes, get ready for 85 to 90 plays a game. Well, I found out that just about everybody in the MAC wants to run something similar. So I don't get caught up as much as I used to in the rushing, the passing defense, even the total defense, I tend to look more now at two categories. I look at third down conversions. Are you getting off the field? And what they want, no matter who's the defensive coordinator, is basically about 70% efficiency. Basically, don't let them convert any more than three out of any 10 times. And then, of course, what else? Look at the red zone defense. Toledo's numbers weren't horrible in one of those two. Again, red zone defense, they allowed the opposition to score 85% of the time. That was uh, 79th in the country going into the last weekend. Uh, well, basically up at Mount Pleasant against Central Michigan. Uh, third down conversions, respectable. They were at 40%. I think they can even do better. They take a huge hit at the strong side linebacker uh, with the graduation of Smoochie Blue, the Darlow Blue. Uh, he was the third leading tackler on the team. He had uh, two sacks. He had seven for a loss. He had three pass breakups, but he was also the captain back there. I know lots of times you think of the free of the strong safety kind of being the director. It was him. That's going to be a huge hit. Not that he's not replaceable, but um, that's one place, if not the place, I think they'll look to start why go by smoochie when your name is didarlo because all he did was blow kisses uh, <laughs> he didn't shy away from contact at all as a matter of fact and we I, basically a gentleman's agreement with coach candle he told me he suffered an injury about three games into his junior season where he broke three of his fingers they put a soft That's cast good. on him, yeah. and he played with a broken hand for the remainder of that year. So Smoochie just kind of seemed to fit him well. And to to his credit, he was fine with the nickname. So he became Smoochie. It was a lot easier to pronounce than Darlow as well. So it serves two purposes. Um, defense is important, but uh, even before we like get to like, who's going to be your quarterback? <laughs> wow i love the way you phrase that too as if you were trying to tap dance around it and then all of a sudden it just came out um right now i think without again being able to really see anybody run ones versus ones or even ones versus twos for that matter if you had to if i had to give you an answer it's going to be one of two people it's going to be carter bradley uh the 6'3 220 pounds he's going to be a redshirt sophomore now just a cannon of an arm Obviously, uh, great bloodlines with his father uh, working in the NFL, and he's a good decision maker. But you've got the former Mr. Football in the state of Michigan, Daquan Finn, 
who did see some snaps last year. Uh, he brings a different dimension where Bradley's more of a pocket passer. Finn can give you that kind of RPO or at least that threat with his legs, especially outside the pocket. Um, Decision-making, slowing the game down, that's still going to be, I don't want to say an issue for him, but he just needs more reps. But if you had, to, basically, if you have to ask me, which you did, um, seriously, at this point, I would say flip a coin between one of those two. If If it was strictly tomorrow, and thank God it's not. Um, I would probably lean towards Carter Bradley just because of the experience, but I see those two duking it out for the better part of the season. But the exp- the most experienced guy is the odd man out there? <laughs> um, not necessarily. Which way, which way are you leaning here? Well, look, you have a th- how many guys are in this mix all told? Four. Uh, you had an injury with Mitch Guadani. Concussions took him out of the running. Eli Peters came in. He was a transfer from the University of Illinois who had played, ironically, uh, about half the season the prior year because of injury. So he kind of got pushed in um, out of necessity. But Bradley, Daquan Finn, Peters all saw snaps over multiple games last year. So I guess if there's a silver lining to it, those guys do have more experience, especially with the NCAA rules last year, being able to play under a handful of games and not lose your red shirt. um, That may end up benefiting Toledo in the long run. Because Eli Peters has most of the experience, doesn't he, from from last couple of years? And it sounds like you, you think it might be the other two guys that would have the better shot of getting that starting nod. Um, Carter, you know, again, um, we're not trying to get you in trouble. Have, we're just yeah. no, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Look, you asked me which way I'm leaning. I'm going to lean towards <laughs> Carter at this point. Let me put it that way. So fair enough. How about uh, at the running back position? I would imagine, I mean, just looking at some of the predictions, and again, we're doing this without having fall practice and not knowing when the season's going to come. A lot of people are high on Toledo, even though they had sort of a setback year for their standards last year. What, What is the most important part, do you think, for the Rockets coming into this next season that could could get them back to the top of the MAC? Well, offensively, Jason Candle calls the shots. Let's make sure that everybody knows that. While you still have an offensive coordinator, he is a master play caller. Um, You know, I've I've talked to him about this before, and without going into great detail or making it overly technical, so if your grandmother was tuning into this podcast, hopefully she'd be able to understand my answer here. You've got a pre-scripted list of plays that you're going to begin each game with. But as each snap of the football continues, you know, you're watching the coaches both up in the box, the coaches from the sidelines, and then it becomes the ultimate chess match. So one may lead to two, two may lead to three, three may lead to four, but four may not lead to five. It may circle back to one again, or maybe four a, just a variation of it. And to talk with Jason Candle, the his mind is is sharp. He's tremendous offensively. So they're going to get theirs. I don't think there's any question about it. As you mentioned earlier, Adam, defense is going to be the key. You've got three new coaches. Two new are going to share the co-defensive um, chores. Uh, you've got Coach Kuligowski, who was a former offensive lineman here, coming from, uh, well, he's been well-traveled, having been down uh, at Missouri having been at Miami, most recently at Alabama, and uh, then Coach Karras, who is a longtime friend of Coach Candle coming over from Mount Union. So I think two heads obviously going to be better than one in this situation. And let's not forget, there were some bright spots on that side of the line of scrimmage for Toledo last year. I mean, Jamal Hines was as fine a defensive end pass rusher as I think there was in the conference. I mean, 51 tackles, eight and a half tackles for a loss, two sacks. He was a disruptor. It usually took two guys to to try and contain him. And then on the corners, you had not just two of the conference's best, you had two of the nation's best in Sam Womack and Chris McDonald. Uh, Womack at one point in time had two pass breakups per game. That was number five in the country. He had uh, 15 total. That was number one in the MAC, number two in the country. And then on the flip side, you had the young freshman, Chris McDonald, who was second best in the MAC with 10 pass breakups. So those guys could lock them down. The question is, can you get what you need from the first to the second level? And that's where I think, um, I think that's where they're probably going to start this year. What's the change in coordinators like for you guys? Cause there was some upheaval obviously there. So anytime you get that kind of a change and, you know, we've talked about it, ball state has two new coordinators this year as well. Um, does it feel like there's a, 
seismic's not the right word, but is there a is there a <laughs> shift? Is there a rebirth? Is there a is the change that great? Um, what have you felt in in making that kind of a move? Really wish I could tell you. Um, That's when true. We Nothing's get... really happened since that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if that were the case, I would have predicted dress my well. lottery. <laughs> yes, exactly. They've got cool ass names <laughs> and they both are foodies. <laughs> That's about all I can tell you right now. Um, they do bring some grit. Um, again, Coach Kuligowski, uh, exact words, and I, I won't get you in trouble with the FCC here, but to, to paraphrase it's a podcast, what it's one fine. of the administrators told me, um, one of the toughest SOBs to ever put on a Toledo uniform. And I think he's going to bring that mindset to these guys. Not that they didn't already have it, but I think he may ratchet it up a little bit more. And again, Coach Karras and chatting with him just briefly, whew, I guess it would have been months ago now, um, and trying to get a feel for these guys and how long they realistically would need to get a team ready to go ahead and kick it off. And he made a great point. He goes, hey, I came from the D3 level. We didn't have um, all the bells and whistles that you have at the Division One level. We didn't have the, the ease into your schedule. He goes, we're used to grinding all summer long. So he goes, from his perspective, he feels like he can hit the ground running. It's just a matter of making sure that the players do. So, look, this is a blue-collar team. It represents a blue-collar town. But what they need, I think, and I think what both these guys are going to bring is – trying to think of the right word here discipline is not the word because i think it might be misconstrued um if i could just give you an example again i'm, I'm quoting coach candle it goes on offense you could be on the back side of the play you could be two or three players on the back side of the play and if you don't even leave the line of scrimmage you don't really factor into the play but on defense all it takes is one man out of position or one man to get cross-legged or flat foot and then all of a sudden, you watch a play going for a touchdown. I think that's what both of these guys are going to bring. Not necessarily the toughness from a mindset perspective, but a toughness from an execution standpoint, if that makes any sense. I don't know how much you've uh, looked at the rest of the Mac West, just because simply we don't know when the season is going to happen or if it's going to happen. But Brent, where do you think these Rockets stack up with the rest of the teams in the division? G give me um, eight, eight game season. We did this last week for our, our two teams. <laughs> eight, eight game season. Give me a win total. You yeah. both were champions, right? According to what you were telling yeah, me, yeah. this opened we're, up this we're, program. Uh, we're so. both seven and one, so there's there's little room for. <laughs> Look, so do you it, want to go eight? No, go ahead. <laughs> well, here's the deal. If I knew, and, and we know that the schedule is going to be different, the schedule that was on paper coming into this season, I think you might as well rip it up. I think they'll try and keep them as close as possible. But if I even had a schedule in front of me to, to give you guys a better idea, you know what? Why not? I'm just going to jump on the bandwagon. You guys both said seven and one. I'll say seven and one, oh, two. And, uh, Love it. Who's losing? Can we like, all right, who's, who's taking all the L's? Like, sorry, Who sorry. Have you not interviewed yet. Who can Western we throw Michigan, this down? Uh, <laughs> sorry, BG. Eastern it's going to be a tough year. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's, let's blame Walker. Okay. Walker. Wait a minute. He's on the, he's in the other, uh, other division though. So we can't give that to him. Miami's um, taking yeah. a big hit from last season. That's the, okay. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> well, you sorry, know, Baker. We're good. We're going to kick that can down the road to Baker. How's yeah, that sound? We can do that. <laughs> Mercy. Um, before we let you We're go off here, the rails. It only took a few minutes. Well, but by know. my clock here, only 17 minutes to go off the rails. That, is, is that a record for you guys? No. Uh, no. <laughs> Welcome to not having a football season in the fall. We always go off the rails. What have you guys been doing during this time? <laughs> Seriously, what have you been doing? Jackson, what have uh, you been doing? Hoping for football to come back. That's what I've been doing. Uh, I, I've been playing a lot of golf and uh, do, doing some working out. And uh, that's, yeah, that's that's about it. Just kind of waiting for football to come back. I don't really, I don't have anything exciting to say. What about you, Joel? Uh, I've, I've worked out a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I had a 50-pound <laughs> uh, PR on the old deadlift. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, Jax and I explore funny news stories at the end of the podcast. So 
that's, okay. uh, that's always good. Basically, what we're trying to tell you, Brent, is when you see us in person next, we're both going to be jacked when you see us. Yes. We've Make that three. I am down 17 pounds with really? 12 more Look to go. go. Oh, absolutely. Brushing up on my Italian, I'm semi-fluent. I've, I've garnered that back now, and uh, a lot of time uh, at the gym. That makes three of us. Listen, so. it's it's a I big can. battle to be the third most fit broadcaster in the MAC behind <laughs> Russ Eisenstein and Chad Bush. <laughs> That's correct. Now, when you get to Russ, he will probably snort and then laugh, and I'm, I'm sure he'll tell you nobody will outlift him. But I also have it on good authority he lives with a bunch of soccer moms so take that for what it's worth am i gonna get in trouble for that <laughs> i don't think so soccer moms hey i live with a ton of them too they think i'm the strongest man in the world okay there you go there you go man that's gotta help the confidence absolutely <laughs> brent uh, before we let you go um when are we gonna play football what's your what's your feeling here you uh you think i'm gonna see you here in, in six weeks or are we gonna do this in may this is like the quarterback question where you have to give us this a specific yeah. answer right now yeah. <laughs> well, joel you promised me you were not recording during the conversation we had before this was uh this started um man what i want to say and what i will say are two completely different things <laughs> i do believe this let's just put it this way as generic as i can possibly be hmm. From most of the people that I've talked to at several different universities and their athletic departments, I think two things. Number one, the landscape is different now than it was earlier this summer and spring. Heck, it's, it's different now than it was just three or four weeks ago, less than a month ago. Um, I do believe we will have a season of some type. Now, whether that's six games, seven games, eight games, um, still remains to be seen. Four and everybody there are... red shirts. <laughs> um, <laughs> seriously, that may be part of what we see this year. We may oh, see yeah. coaches go a little bit farther, if not a lot farther down their depth charts, simply for that reason. Um, nobody wants to play that I've talked to two seasons in one year, meaning next spring. Now, if you have to, you do, but I don't believe we're going that way. I think the winds have changed and we will see some version like I said, six, seven, eight games, I'm not sure, but we will see something starting probably in what? Would you guys agree? Four, maybe five weeks from now? Enough time to give me a chance to go buy Phil Steele and actually prepare for the season because I, I just – I never did, so – um, seriously, I, I, I will just lean on you two then. If you would mind maybe renting that copy out, I'll pay a buck plus shipping if you want to send that to me because I'd be interested in reading. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think if you run past a month, um, it starts to get, you start to run out of time. Well, and most of the coaches I talked to prior to this, when we still thought we might maybe start a couple, maybe three weeks late. Um, the four or five coaches that I talked to all said the same thing. While it's not optimal, um, they could be ready in four to five weeks. Well, that's where we're sitting right now. And I know the Mac, you guys saw the press release, obviously, as short as it was on Saturday. Um, the powers that be are scheduled to meet again this week. I got to believe we are going to get an answer one way or the other. You can't kick the can down the road, I think any farther and still expect um your programs to to be able to to perform um come the what third fourth week of october if indeed that's where we're headed yeah it's got to come this week i think yep i agree with that well brent uh brent balvinat voice of the toledo rockets uh don't be a stranger sir uh, we appreciate you coming on and uh and going off well you humble me sir anytime you call i will be available for you how's that sound <laughs> i mean do, i mean don't tempt me with a good time. Uh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you are a good time. What's little Kesha tune? The party don't start till I walk in. This, this I thought she true. was talking wow. about you when she wrote that line. So. This is true. When I get to the gym, the, the a Kesha quote has made the podcast. Absolutely. Love it. Here we go. It all circles back to how jacked Joel is now. Send I, me a picture because I'm having trouble getting this, a vision of this in my mind. It's on the Instagram. Jack Joel, I, baby. <laughs> it's got a ring to it. <laughs> I think that's before Kesha, by the way, Jack. So that's like, I don't think she's she was original on that one. Really? So Joel, now all you got to do to to finish off like a cherry on this Sunday. Then mm. do you brush your teeth with a bottle of Jack, or uh, have you not quite reached that level of manhood yet? No, but uh, uh, when I leave for the night, I I ain't coming back. That's the. <laughs> it took you a second to figure out the end of that song, but mind, I'm proud yeah. of you. 
you 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 filled nicely. Well done. What's funny is I'm younger than both of you, and I don't I didn't remember the lyrics to that song. So I'm proud of both of you for knowing that. Listen, uh, Brent, I, I got nothing. Yeah, we've already gone off the rails. Listen. There's no sense in wandering farther. Listen, Brent. Uh, until next time, don't stop. Make it pop. DJ is going to turn the music up. So we'll... You know, I'm sorry I took us down this road. You can't help yourself now, will you? Uh, I've got a number for a support phone. group. Hang you can call me phone. after we get done recording. I'll, I'll give uh, it to you. Thanks, Brent. Thank My you, pleasure, guys. All right, that is Brent Balbanot taking a look at the Toledo Rockets. Uh, Jackson, we're going to have three 7-1 and one teams at the top of the MAC. Our immediate apologies to Northern, Western, and Eastern on their winless seasons. <laughs> Over. You hate to see it, Joel. <laughs> you hate to see it. <laughs> I, I mean, this is the this is the thing when you do predictions. You don't have to actually account for the wins and losses. You just throw numbers around and everyone wins all the time. Well, when you're not watching practice and you don't have anything else to go off, I mean, you might as well pick the team you know best. And for all of us, that's the own team that we're calling games for. So yeah. kind of makes sense here in 2020. All right. Well, let's talk about winners and losers, because come November, we will have one of each, potentially. Uh, this is our off-week story <laughs> of the week uh, from Lima, Peru. This is from Reuters with incense, smoke, flowers and photos of the president and his rival, Joe Biden. Peruvian shamans performed an ancestral ritual Wednesday for the U.S. elections, but there was little agreement on who would win. Shaman teacher Ana Maria Simeon uh, held the ritual, ritual saying she was in favor of Mr. Biden. Quote, that is why we are cleansing him. We have seen that they are attacking him with witchcraft. Uh, and that they are shadowing to remove him. That sounds weird. Uh, however, on the flip side of that, the chief shaman, the, the master shaman, actually, Pablo Torres, not to be confused with Pablo Torre, uh, said that there are good energies to Mr. Trump carrying a snake on one of his shoulders after squirting a strange liquid from his mouth onto the image of the president. That's a crime in three countries, I think. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. The picture is the best part. Like, it looks like a birthday party. Actually, it kind of looks like a lot of fun. Joel, if you want, go ahead and work on your play-by-play and tell us what's going on in the picture since well, we are on a podcast here. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've got a banner of each of the <laughs> candidates. There's a guy with a, a, a shell horn. There's some maracas. There's one guy wearing, like, a blue afghan. A lot of beaded necklaces. Uh, one guy's got a fedora. Uh, the Virgin Mary is in the background. There's some neon lights. That's the th I didn't know sh like shaman things. They they've got. They, I mean, it, it like it looks like they've got one of those like Budweiser signs in the window. They've got <laughs> like there's a green one and a blue one and a red one. It, it's it really looks like a good time. I feel like I'd be all about it. What's sad is we're not having our president selected and we still do have to vote and sound like and have all the discussion yeah, they're, and they're, arguments. Yeah. yeah, not, that's, yeah. I, I thought you were going to tell me we no. were going to have a winner picked and we didn't have to go through all No, this. inconclusive. The, uh, the boa okay. couldn't figure – that's the, – the snake is frightening. <laughs> well, here's the thing. You find these odd stories every week. Maybe next week or the following weeks we'll, we'll have a winner selected in uh, one of these things that you're finding online. Yeah, well – the Emmys are going on right now, so there's winners there. There we go. We'll focus our attention on that. Then. Listen, just here to help. Uh, Jack, so that'll do it for <laughs> us, man. I will, uh, I'll talk to you next week. It's been fun. Shout number five just keeps rolling, baby. <laughs> shouts to Brent Balbanot. Shouts to Zach McKinstry. Shouts to Dave Roberts and the Peruvian Shamans. Uh, we'll see you next week. This is Convo number five. <laughs>